I don't even know what time it is. The clock's blinking, so. <laughs> tough, tough luck, right? We see how that went last week, didn't we? Oh, man. <clears throat> you probably will anyway. <laughs> Anything's a go with her. Are you under your blanket right now? Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad, yeah, put this in the, in the church books. We got some books or something we're keeping? I don't know. Debbie, Debbie takes some notes. I know she's got some notes somewhere. Her and Nancy Johnson, they both got some notes. Um, thank you for being here this morning, and thank you for uh, 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 rolling with, <laughs> with things with us. Uh, if you missed the very beginning, uh, is, is what you said true? Okay, because I never know if he's telling the truth. Um, usually I can like read the meter on him, but uh, from over there I could kind of hard to tell. Uh, he's not getting better at it. Uh, <laughs> Jesse will agree with me on that. Uh, but no, apparently a squirrel uh, touched two lines at the same time that shouldn't touch together and threw a breaker on the transformer. Is that the deal? Okay. It's, I didn't realize that transformer had breakers on it, but anyway. And so uh, CEMC had to come out and get it going and because uh, we, we couldn't turn on any of this stuff. And we were actually in a moment prepping for an acoustic service for you. So, uh, but uh, anyway, thank you to everybody who's, who's, who's rolled in there with it. And uh, thank, you to, thank you to everybody for kind of hanging in there as we started even later than normal. And we, are, we actually are really trying to get to where we're trying to start on time. Uh, everybody, every, I know, I know, everybody's working on it, but, but here's, here's the truth of it, because of the, and, and if, you, if you were here last week, you probably experienced some of this, but because of the size of crowds that we are starting to get into, uh, when, if, if we don't, uh, and this service goes too long into that next time slot, uh, then the overlap of all of the people, uh, it, it's tough, it's hard, so parking, everybody, our parking team, greeters, thank you guys for everything you do uh, and helping people out there and uh, keeping them from uh, having uh, fits or something. So anyway, uh, so yeah, let's jump into this. If you got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to Mark chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They will bring you one. We'd be glad for you to have one. Mark 7, and uh, we're finishing out this chapter today. Uh, this, is, uh, this has been a great chapter, and I'll be honest with you, a few weeks ago, you know, this is... One of the things that I have a hard time with, like planning way too far ahead with, with messages, was exactly what happened last week. Last week, I really thought I was going to teach uh, the passage from last week and the passage from this week uh, together, uh, and I'm so glad that I did not try to do that because uh, I know God spoke to my heart a lot last week, uh, and He's been speaking to my heart over this passage this week, and I think to have even attempted to have done that would have uh, been pretty bad. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, if you need a Bible, let our ushers get you one. Throw your hand up, uh, and they'll bring you one uh, or whatever. If you don't own one, we'd love for you to take it and keep it. You can have it. It's a gift. Uh, but we're going to uh, look at this passage uh, about Jesus coming up to see a guy. Uh, in fact, a guy really kind of comes up to see Jesus. In fact, some people, I think, bring him to Jesus. But, um, you know, this passage brings about something that, that brings about a question that I got to thinking about. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares 
about you? Who, who cares about the things going on in your life? Who cares enough about you to know things about you that a good friend should know? I, I was reading, and I may post this later today because I knew if I, if I uh, talked about it, people would probably want to see it, but I just happened to somehow see a blog post somebody had posted on social media uh, that I clicked on to read just a little bit of it. It was written by, uh, I think it was a pastor's wife, uh, and she was talking. She was, she was talking about struggles that she's had in her life, and she was talking specifically about friendships and how she has struggled with depression and anxiety and feeling alone, feeling alone, Okay. And, and, and I'll just be honest with you, I've, I've been there, okay, with, with some of those things that I just mentioned. Um, and uh, I think that uh, in, in reading that blog post, I'll be honest with you, I felt like I was hearing the same words that I have heard out of so many ladies' mouths and even some guys when they're willing to get honest about where they are or where they've been or moments that they've struggled or whatever. And, and she, she brought up this illustrated, really just a simple thing that she, she said um, and forgive me, I don't have her name, but I'll, I'll post it later. She says that uh, she realized one day that she didn't have a friend close enough to know where her silverware was in her kitchen. Wouldn't have known what drawer to find that in. And, and I think for so many people, I think there's a lot of people that you know, struggle with that. And, and, and it brings about this question like, who cares? And, and, and it's easy for us, and Satan loves for us to play this game, it's easy for us to play that game, and as we're playing that game, like begin to believe that nobody really cares. She talks about how she originally had posted on social media that she felt alone, and some of these other feelings, depression, anxiety, all these things. And, and that, you know, as soon as she posted it, she was, she was so like, you know, worried about making the post, and then she says, you know, after she made the post, she was going. She decided, like a minute, a minute after she had shut her computer, she was going to go back and delete it. And before she could even uh, open the computer up and get it back up to delete it, she had just all these other ladies coming under her, saying, "I am exactly where you are." A lot of folks feel this way. A lot of a lot of folks that are sitting here right now feel this way. You may feel this way. Let me just tell you something. You've got a lot of people in your life that do care about you. And I think for us, for a, lot of, for a lot of reasons, and we don't have time to get into all that, but for a lot of reasons, a lot of people struggle with that. And they struggle with letting people in. They struggle with inviting people in. And, and we've, become, we've become a culture where we don't just show up at the house, you know? You, I don't know if you've seen this comedian talk about this or not. Like one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen in my life. And he's talking about how, like, back in the day, like, you know, people used to come by the house, you know. And it was like, you know, you know, it'd be like 8 o'clock at night and somebody's knocking on the door and be like, what's going on? What's going on? We've got, we got company, you know. And he talks about, we got company. We got we to gotta get, out, get out the good dishes and let's get out some snacks and let's have some pie, you know. And now, like, somebody comes, knocks on the door at night and you're like, well, what's that? Everybody cover, you know, what's... Hop on the couch, get that light, turn that light off, you know, kind of a deal. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the way things have changed for us as, as, as a culture, and like it or not, it has affected us as a people, where we don't invite ourselves over to people's houses anymore. We don't even invite ourselves into each other's lives anymore. We got to be proactive. 
we got to be proactive. We've been talking for the last year or so, a couple years, about some of the things that we feel like God's leading us to do in this community. Going back, talked about last week, going back, talking about all the business owners, all the leadership that we have in this church, people that have led, have owned their own thing, have helped others, have led others in some way in the job that they have or whatever it is, all the teachers, all of, all of this is not by accident that God has brought us together as a people. It's so that he can use us for his glory. This passage, we've got a guy who probably feels like nobody cares. I want to read it together. Mark 7, verse 31. It says this, it says, Then he returned from the region of Tyre, and he went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him, this is why we think somebody, some people brought him to him, they begged him to lay hands on him. Let's stop for just a second. So we, we've got a background of kind of where he came from, Decapolis and all this, and, and that's, this is Gentile. He's, this is Jesus still in this area, Tyre, Sidon, this Gentile people. He's not with the Jews, okay? He's with Gentile people. Again, go back to all of the unclean stuff that we've been talking about. It applies right here. Like this, this guy would have been considered somebody you shouldn't touch. You shouldn't be in his presence. And what do they do? They bring him in front of Jesus and they're like, they're like, hey man, come on. They, they begged him, it says, to lay his hands on him. Big no-no. But they believe. They believe that Jesus can do something. This guy is deaf and he has a speech impediment. And from, from some of that, from some of that, we can kind of assume that at some point in his life, he lost his hearing. Like he was talking at one point in time, then lost his hearing. And when he lost his hearing, continued to struggle to be able to speak clearly. They begged him to lay his hands on him. And in verse 33, it says, And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. Jesus doesn't do that. What is Jesus doing? Jesus isn't a magician. He's not like whipping up some kind of like Mr. Miyagi, you know, going to make it right and do the, get out there and do the crane, you know, kind of thing. Jesus is taking a moment with this guy. He's taking a moment with this guy. We're going to talk a little bit about that here in just a minute. And looking up to heaven, he sighed. And he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released. And he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is an incredible story. And, and you know, it, it's, I mean, I know we see a lot of instances where Jesus heals people. And I think if we're not careful, we can get so used to that that it's like, oh, it's Jesus healing another person. Oh yeah, no surprise there. I mean, that's what Jesus does. He heals people, right? Why? We've talked about this a whole bunch. Jesus didn't come to be a soothsayer. He didn't come to be uh, the, you know, the, 
the healer of all physical things, although that's who he is. That's not the purpose that he was doing this in. The purpose in which Jesus would come and do these things would be that they would hear the message of the gospel. The end of that passage right there, it says, they were saying, he has done all things well. That statement alone tells you of the reputation that Jesus got. You got to think about this for just a second. Like, here comes Jesus. You know, Jesus has crossed the waters, so to speak, to be with the Gentile people. He's not a Gentile. This is in a day and age when people didn't come and see the Gentiles. Like, you you didn't like go over across the other you know side and go. Hey, let's, let's go over there and get something neat. I hear there's a good Gentile restaurant over there. No, I mean, like, no. People didn't do that. He didn't do that. Jesus doing this was a huge deal. Here's the truth. We're not sure, but it's, the thought is that he was there for months. This wasn't like he just healed the one lady that we just saw last week, and then he heals this guy, and, and then he's back to doing things. No, we think that, his, that he did ministry, ended up doing ministry there, for literally months. Imagine being a Gentile person at that point in time, knowing that people like him weren't supposed to come over there. Imagine that. Like, imagine thinking about that. Like, why are they coming over here? It's no wonder that he began to be known among them as someone who had done all things well. His his popularity rating was through the roof with the Gentiles. And then back back with his own people, they're, they're plotting to kill the man. Jesus took him to the side privately. Did you see that? He took him to the side, verse 33, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. Why, why, did, Jesus, why did Jesus take him to the side? Why didn't Jesus just do what Jesus had done so many other times and, and do this in front of a whole bunch of people and that they could all walk away going, oh man, look at how amazing Jesus is. Like he's, now, now he's using his fingers and he's spitting all over the place. You know, we, that, That's not what Jesus did. It, it's because Jesus didn't want them to see what was going on. First of all, I really believe that this guy had probably been a spectacle to a lot of people over time. He probably spent a large majority of his life being somebody that the crowds gathered around for a good laugh. And instead, in this moment, Jesus is like, you know what? We're going to take you away from all of that. And just you and I, we're going to get over here away from everybody and privately I'm going to spend a minute with you here. He puts his fingers in his ears. He spits in his hand. And then he takes the spit and he touches the man's tongue. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? Does he need to do this? No. He does not need to do this. He healed. Remember last week? He healed that lady's daughter. From like, I don't know where, how far away she was. But like, Jesus looks at the lady and he's like, hey. We're good. Go home. Fix spaghetti. Have dinner. You know, whatever. Right? Jesus didn't, need, Jesus didn't even need to be standing there with the guy to heal the guy. 
But Jesus takes his hands, his own spit. Imagine, imagine being with a guy who's, who's deaf, okay? He can't hear. He doesn't speak well. And he's standing there and he's looking at you. And you've taken him away from the crowd. And then Jesus does all this. He touches him. He touches him. Imagine being a Gentile man who'd been made fun of probably a lot of his life and considered to be an outcast in the community. Imagine being that guy, and here comes this guy that apparently has the ability to heal you, and he doesn't just spend a minute saying something over you, he is literally touching you. This is communicating something to this guy that is huge. What's it communicating? It's communicating that he cares. It's communicating not just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay my lip service here. I'm just going to, let me, let me just throw something at you here. I mean, all the reports up to this point that we have is Jesus, you know, he just heals people. He doesn't have to touch them to do it. So everything he's probably ever heard is he's probably thinking, oh, well, you know, well, Jesus, you know, I hear this guy, Jesus is so good, he doesn't have to touch me. So that's, I mean, that's pretty awesome because he probably won't want to touch me because I'm Gentile and I'm unclean. Jesus is communicating to this guy that he cares about him. Ephatha. He says to him, Ephatha. This is the first word that this guy hears when gaining his hearing. Ephatha. Be opened. Be opened. And in that moment... His ears are open. And it says his tongue was released. Almost like it was tied up. And he spoke plainly. Not after having a vocal coach. He spoke plainly immediately. I mean, if you knew this guy, if you were part of the Gentile people, and this was like, guy that was usually hanging out down on the corner or whatever, and you knew this guy all these years, and then all of a sudden you see him, and not only can he hear, but he's like talking to you. He's like, what's up, man? No wonder they couldn't keep it quiet. No wonder. I mean, he goes out, he's telling somebody, and everybody's like, what? You can talk? You can hear? Jesus looks up to heaven and he sighs before saying Ephatha. He looks up to heaven and he sighs. Looking up to heaven, I, I really feel like is Jesus, part of Jesus' like constant mode of being in prayer and seeking the Father. And I think that's a great, I think that's a great thing for us to see here. This is Jesus. Like I, I, you know, I can get to going on some days and think, man, I'm having a good day. You know, we got this. We're doing good. You know, I don't, and, and I'll get to thinking, not even purposely so, but I'll get to thinking, I'm, I'm going so good today. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't stop. I don't think about spending time with God and seeking Him for what's happening in my day. Jesus spends all these moments. This is just a glimpse of one of those moments where Jesus is looking to the Father in this moment. And then he sighs. 
And I've, I've read umpteen million commentaries on why he sighed. Nobody really knows at the end of the day. I can tell you a couple things that they say. I can tell you that it was a moment of him asking God to lead him, possibly, that part of that sigh was, okay, God, you do your thing here. Truth is, Jesus had the power to heal him. Jesus had the power to, to run with this, but he's still seeking the Father. I think, I think a couple possibilities, a couple of legitimate possibilities, is that there's a moment there where he's sighing over what's to come for him, and that the ability that he has this, the opportunity that he has this, that it all comes with a price, and, and, and maybe he's thinking about the cross. I don't, I don't know that that's really it. I think probably the thing that I lean toward the most is that he is sighing in such a way to show I'm with you right now. You, deaf guy, I'm with you right now. I'm going to touch you right now. I care about you right now. Like, what's, what's the big deal? What, what's it matter? What's it matter whether he knows that he cares, that he, you know, because Jesus is, Jesus is trying to help us, you know? Jesus is trying to help us to see something. Yeah, he's helping him see something for sure. He's also trying to help us to see something, and that's that people who care take time out of their lives to be with a person that they care about. Think about that for just a minute. Jesus is taking time, time enough that he's literally laying hands on this guy. He's doing all this stuff. But imagine being a deaf guy, and then this guy who's supposedly going to be able to do this for you looks at you who's not supposed to touch you, and he actually touches you, puts his fingers in your ears, almost like a sign of, I'm, get, I'm about to give you that back. And the tongue thing, oh yeah, here's, here's some of my spit. Boom, let me touch your tongue with that. And, and, it's, and it's, you know, I almost feel like Jesus is, is saying to this guy without using words because he can't hear, okay? He's saying to this guy physically, I'm restoring you physically right now with the things that you ail in. Have the confidence to believe in this right now that I'm healing you. And then just imagine being that guy that in the moment when his ears are open and Jesus says to him, Ephatha, be opened. And he's, I mean, he's probably about to lose his mind. And his ears were open, verse 35, his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So, what is it? That, that it? That it? That all we got? No. Of course not. It's always this little something if you just dig a little deeper. 
You don't even have to own big commentaries to find this one out. So there's a Greek word that Jesus uses here that describes a severe difficulty in speaking. A severe difficulty in speaking. I'm sorry, that Mark uses. Mark uses this word, and this word is only used in Scripture, all of Scripture, two times. Once right here. Again, about a difficulty in speaking. Now we see Jesus, you know, healing other people of other things and whatever. But Mark uses this story to send us somewhere else. And by the way, Mark is the only gospel that shares this, shares this story with us. Interestingly enough. The other passage that in Scripture uses this same word is Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. I really believe with all my heart there is no accident to that whatsoever. Mark is absolutely 100% in my mind using this opportunity to point us back to something that is very important for us to see. Isaiah 35, if you want to go there, verse 1. And this passage comes after all of this stuff that is told to God's people of all these awful things that they're going to go through. This awful period of time, this desert, if you will, of of life that they are going to have to go through as a people of all these things. They're not going to have water. They're not going to mean just I mean, just crazy stuff like that. The land is going to be run with jackals. And I mean, that they'll fear for their lives. I mean, just terrible, crazy stuff. And it's for like many chapters before chapter 35 that we see that. And then there's 35. Then there's 35, and in 35, everything changes. Check out verse 30, uh, chapter 35 with me, Isaiah. Isaiah 35, 1, it says this. It says, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. Now, that's like the first like, positive thing that is happening in this long list of stuff that's going on, okay? So we're, we're picking up on the good part. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Now, if you're God's people and you're reading through this, and especially if you're in the desert place that it's talking about in chapters 34 and before, you're probably thinking, whoa, what? What? There's light at the end of this tunnel? No way. And if you keep reading, it says, the glory of Lebanon shall give, it, give to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be fear. I'm sorry, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Recompense meaning he will come and he is going to make everything right. Your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, He will come and save you. That good enough for us? Guess what? It's not over. You don't think you think it's just half and chance that Mark brings this up in chapter seven? You think you don't think they're tied together? Okay, check this out. Verse five. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf. Unstopped. 
Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. That's ordained by the Lord, my friends. That's on purpose. Mark is helping us to see something, and, and, and this is what it is. That this is the coming of the Lord. He has come. And He has come to make things right. He has come to do what needed to be done. What we couldn't do for ourselves. He's come to save. He's come to change everything about the world. I mean, you, can keep, you can keep reading. I mean, it just gets awesome and awesome and awesome. But the people of God were waiting for this. The people of God were waiting for this. Like, this is what they had been looking for all this time. Was, I mean, just imagine like being in, being in the awful times, the desert place, and then just like thinking about like, oh my gosh, when is that going to come? When's the Lord going to come back? When's He going to make things right? When, I mean, because that passage talks about when's there, when the water is going to come back, when you know, the desert sand will turn into pools, and I mean, just all kinds of stuff. He brought the kingdom of God. Jesus brought the kingdom of God. That's what Isaiah is talking about. It's like there will be all this stuff. But then there will come a day. The recompense of God. I will right all the wrongs. I will fix all of the stuff. I will heal all of the things. Say, well, Chris, you know, I... I mean, where I'm at right now, I, you know, God's not healing me. What about that? I'm going through something really bad right now. What, where, what about that? Okay. But that's temporary. Say, but Chris, it hurts. Yeah, I get it. I get that it hurts. I've hurt too. Some of you have hurt way worse than I have. But I'm here to tell you, it's temporary. This isn't it. This life is temporary. We're given an opportunity to take it and use it for God's glory. That's the purpose of this life. It's not to make ourselves comfortable. It's not to try to acquire all the things. It, it, it's, it's for the glory of God. We were created for the glory of God. That others would know Him because they know us. That is the purpose of our life. We may chase all these other things thinking that our purpose is to try to do that or get this or acquire this or catch that or be this or something. But I'm just here to tell you, the purpose of our life was we were created for His glory. And we are never more satisfied when He than when He is glorified in us. So Jesus shows us something here. He shows us. He shows us an example of how to reach somebody, love somebody, minister to somebody. You want to see it? Here it is. His approach is right here with this guy and how he handled this guy. First of all, we see Jesus seek the Father. We see Jesus seek the Father. In the moment that this happens, Jesus, I mean, Jesus had the power to heal this guy. Jesus point blank takes a moment and seeks the Father. He looks to Him 
I'm assuming, and I'm pretty sure this is accurate, in prayer. For God's leading, for the Father's leading. Then he sighs a sigh of what I think is a sigh of compassion. Where he shows this guy, I'm with you right now. Then he touches him. He touches him. And he's saying in doing so, he's saying, I'm with you. I'm listening to you. And I'm communicating to you right now that you matter. You matter. Think about that. Think about the people that God's put in our lives. Let's just, just, just go with people that maybe you know that I don't know or whatever. People that, you know. Think about all those people that God's put in your life. Think about some of the needs that they have. If you've spent any time in prayer whatsoever, seeking the Lord and asking Him, God, show me where my ministry is. Show me where my mission field is. Show me what you're, show me what you're calling me to, Lord. If, if you've spent any time at all seeking the Lord in that, then I'm going to tell you something. You, then you, you've got people on your heart. God's put people on your heart. If you seek the Lord, maybe you're not there. If you do seek the Lord, He will put people on your heart. Your heart will break for them. And it may be people that don't know Him, or it may be people that are in physical need. Either way, God puts people on our heart. And He does so that we might glorify Him in their lives. Let me say that again. That we might glorify Him in their lives. See what I did there? That's our calling. That's our mission. That's what, that's what we were created to do. That other people would know Him because they know us. And here's, and here's the bottom line, and I totally stole this. True, check this out. True compassion doesn't just feel, it reaches out. True compassion doesn't just feel, it reaches out. Remember the question? Who cares? Who cares? You know what Satan wants us to do with that question? He wants us to go, that's right. Who does care? Who does care about me? Does anybody care about me? Nobody, nobody's called me in a while. Who cares? Does anybody really care about me? If I, you know, you know, we can go to church for a few weeks. We get a phone call. I don't think we got, no, nobody called us. They must not care. I've had people play that game with us. And I'll just be honest with you, I, I can't keep up. There's no way I can keep up with, you know, you can go missing for a month, yeah. Go missing for two months probably. It's going to take me a minute. I'm slow. Plus my eyesight's not that great. I can't tell who's here half the time. Like, well, I hadn't been there. You didn't notice? Like, no, I really thought you guys were there. Don't y'all sit in the back? Sit up front like Perry. Then I'll know if you're not here. Bright yellow shirt. Satan wants us to play those games. Jesus is over here going, hey, hey, guess what? Guess what? I came to give my life for you and save you. That you, a believer in Christ Jesus, who's been changed by the blood on the cross, could go out and you could care. How about that? What's it look like if every person in this room went out and started caring for people? We'd have to have 10 services here. It would be absolutely ridiculous. We don't think about it like that because we're, we're, you know, we're over here going, well, who cares about me? You know? What's up with that? It's just sin. 
It's just our sinful hearts. It's what we do. We're great at it. We're great at being sinners. We're great at thinking that people don't care about us. And the truth is, is that we do have people that care about us. True compassion doesn't just feel, it reaches out. True compassion doesn't just feel, it reaches out. Who are we reaching out to? I got a clear vision a couple weeks ago. I can't wait to tell you about it. I'm so excited about it. I'll just be honest with you. If we tried to implement even half of it right now, we wouldn't know what to do with the people. That's just being honest. Uh, Here's part of it. Here's part of it. We want to make sure that we do things well. I'm not talking about like trying to overthink things here or whatever. But I'm just telling you, like, if, if it's true, and I think that it is, what God is going to lead this church to do, we're going to need like three times the kids' workers to handle the kids that, we, that we're going to have. I mean, you go ask Dave right now. He can use kids' workers right now. We say we love this community. We say we want to help stop drug, drug problems. We say we want to make a difference. All those things. We're going to have to get our hands dirty. And guess what? I can't go back there and, and help with the kids. So I'm going to need you to do that. Right? Like what? Yeah, uh, well, uh, uh, diapers. Right? Yeah. Means you're going to have to dig in the poop. We, we know you have, my friend. Let me, let me also say this. Let me, let me throw this out there. And I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, like we got some good things coming, but I'm telling you, we got to seek the Lord. We as a people have got to seek the Lord. Not just the preacher, not just the staff, not just the deacons. We as a people have got to seek the Lord and see what God is going to do with us, what He is leading us to do. If He is speaking to your heart, I am begging of you to listen to Him. Don't listen to me, listen to Him, okay? Listen to what God is leading you to do as He is placing things on your heart, as He is burning things in your heart. Do not ignore that. Let God lead you because I know without a doubt that He wants to be glorified in this community and He brought us together to be a big part of that to happen. Let me also say this. I would not try to make light of if you are going through something terrible right now. Psalm 34, 18 says this. It says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He saves you. Have you believed in Him? Have you trusted in Him to do this? If that's where you are today, I encourage you, run. Run to the Father. Let Him give you comfort. Let Him save you from this moment. Let Him give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. I mean, you hear that statement, right? A peace that surpasses all understanding is a peace that you can have in a moment when it doesn't make sense to have peace. For those of us that are believers, for those of us that are part of the body, church, because it's not a building, it's a people. 
for those of us that are in that situation, we're being called to make time investments. Investing not just time, but emotions. Prioritizing people in our lives that maybe you and I don't even know who they are right now. But that we might get ready for them. They're coming. Some of them are going to move in next door. Some of them, some of them we're going to go get. Did you hear that? Some of them we're going to go get. And I'm excited about it. But again, we, we got to have some hands. I, 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 honestly, I need like 30 families in this church to go to the front desk today and say, you know what? We've already done a background check, or I want to do it, or whatever, and send me through the volunteer thing, or whatever, but I, I want to help. I want to help be a part of what God is doing here. I want, I want God to use me. And seriously, go work with kids, that they can hear about Jesus. You may go, well, I don't know how to teach. Well, go be one of the people, in the, go, be the, go be the guy in the class who like bonks kids on the head when they're bad or something. I don't know what they do back there, but, you know. Just telling you, good things coming, but we, we need to be faithful. You're like, well, Chris, I mean, Chris, I, you know, I mean, I, I'm not really the person to do that. I, you know, that's kind of below my pay grade. Really, is it? Is it below your pay grade? Is there below a pay grade when it comes to children hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and it changing their lives forever? What if those children come from broken homes and those children go back to their homes and then those children lead, lead their parents to Jesus and He changes their life and all of a sudden they realize that the drugs aren't the most important thing in their life anymore. You go, Chris, that's just, that's just a pipe dream. I'm telling you, it's not a pipe dream and it's what Jesus wants to do in our community. And we have an opportunity to be a part of it. And I have seen that happen and there are families in this room that are a testimony that God changes people's lives forever. And it's amazing. And we can be a part of that. I don't know what we could do that could be more exciting than that, to be honest with you. This is like the greatest thing ever. Like God's giving us a gift and He's saying, I've given you all the tools that you need. You got all the talent, you got all the know-how, you got all the people to make this happen. Follow me through it. Will you go? Will you go? Galatians 2.20, if you had any doubt that you could be a part of this happening, Galatians 2.20, and I'll close with this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but the Christ, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. We were bought with a price. Christ lives in us. And it is not us that will do the work. It is He that will do the work. If we will be faithful, He will use us for His glory and for His kingdom. Who cares, right? Who cares? Who cares? Do you? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us when we're not faithful to you. God, I pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us. In the days to come, I pray that you would use us. 
Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. God, I pray that we would love well. I pray that we would take time out, that we wouldn't just talk to people, but we would touch their lives. God, not for our sake, that we could feel better, but God, I pray that you would work through us in your almighty power and that you would change the lives of those people. God, I pray right now for the kids that you're going to bring, for the families that you're going to change, for the parents that you're going to help get off drugs. God, use us to be a part of the answer, not for our glory, but for yours. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we can trust in him today. God, I pray for anybody that has not done so. God, I pray that you would change their life right now. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.